Listeners, Hemispherians joining in, we have a very special segment of Gaming Corner today. And that Gaming Corner is devoted to the winner of Arcadia June 2022. And might I add, twice in a row has this gentleman won, this very devoted Hemispherian. And we've invited him on to hear about what he does in Arcadia June, uh, hear about the victory itself uh, from the man who won. What he thinks about gaming. He doesn't have to answer these questions. He can talk about whatever he wants, but we wanted to have him on anyway. Eric or Eric M. Walk, as you're known in the Discord, uh, as you're known in the Discord, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on because you've been listening for some time. Uh, congratulations on your victory. It is impressive. Jason, your fingers were falling off in the process of adding his scores to the leaderboard. Um, Eric, first of all, why don't you, if it's okay with you, just give yourself a bit of an intro, uh, maybe just share a bit about who you are, because people who are in the Discord might know who you are, but other people listening might not. What can you tell us about yourself? I guess my, my day job doesn't really deal much with computers. I work in finance, specifically auto game, though, finance and accounting type industry. Um, I live in Minnesota. I have three kids, um, a dog and wife, obviously, as well. And uh, yeah. We, yeah, we, I, I would say, I'm trying to think, uh, I guess most people know if you follow me, I like to talk about running a lot too. So that's, that's something. We have an RV. We just finished an RV trip around Lake Superior. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where we spend most of our time in the summer. I mean, minus trying to work and whatnot. I'm thrilled he was able to stop running long enough just to actually join us right now. Cause I kind of thought he would be mobile running with AirPods in. And we'd just be kind of in between breaths. He'd be answering questions. So I'm thrilled about that. I also I also know for a fact that Andrew's ears perked up just a little bit there when he heard finance and auditing. And like he got so stoked. He's like, can we just talk about Excel formulas for 45 minutes? You are literally taking the words out of my mouth because I was going to say, I'm thrilled. Forget the uh, forget the the. Gaming chat. Let's move on from that. Let's talk about EOFI. Uh, the US have this strange different EOFI, you know. So you've still got six months to wait before the end of your financial year, I think. But yeah, let's 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 break down some depreciation schedules. All right. I, I will say that's that's not entirely true though. I mean, we do have like, you know, the end of calendar year for a lot of places, but ever since I left public accounting, um, every company I've been at. Uh, has not been a calendar year end. So this one, the company I'm at now is July. So coming up close. Another one I was at was May or no, March. And then the other one was October. So see, that's frustrating. That reminds me, I've worked in the agricultural industry one time and they aligned <laughs> their financial year with the, the sorry, season. Sorry, keep going, but. So you, you, had, you had an end of financial year for this big corporation that was like October. And it was totally out of sync with everything else. The only good thing about it was you had cheap auditing because they didn't have, you know, they were sort of off-season for the auditors, so you get that done cheap. That, that is true. That's exactly what I did with. I know the last company I was at, that's why they chose, like, October or whatever it was. So Yeah, bean counters, making the decisions once again. I think we lost two people already. <laughs> 
Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I just want to jump in here just quickly. I, I don't mean to interrupt the uh, the riveting conversation about um, end of fiscal year. Um, so, Eric, first of all, <clears throat> that was genuine. That whole thing that just happened there, that's real. I just want you to know that. It. As much as, as, as you may not engage in conversation daily with strangers about finance, there's your guy. So... Um, I don't want to cut you all off there, but moving over to Arcadia June, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> that's right. which the scores were kept in a spreadsheet. So you'll be thrilled about that. And there was some mild formatting in there. So, you know, you're welcome. But I, I guess we've done this two years in a row now. I get when we first did it, we didn't know we were going to do it again and it was just fun. So we decided to do it again for a second year. We're planning to do it for a third year. It's a little concerning that you've won both years in a row. I mean, that's, you know, once is great. Two is starting to become questionable. Three, I'm not asking you to throw it, but just putting that out there. I was going to retire off into the sunset. Um, Yeah, we don't do any kind of performance enhancing drug testing or anything like that. So we're we're taking everyone, you know, at, at face value in terms of what they've been able to achieve here. But I get the impression you're not like a huge gamer type person in general yet the scores you're putting up for these arcade games are incredible what's going are you just a secret gamer or do you just happen to be really good at like this subset of games what's going on here i mean i've played games you know throughout my life you know but i think what what interests me the most about most of these games there's a couple in the arcadia set that i mean i play them just you know so i can try to get my name out there at some point, you know, or at least try every game. But I like the ones where there's like a set time. It's like 60 seconds, one minute, two minutes. It's like, that's good because then I have a defined timeline. Whereas nowadays I feel like I, I don't know, some games, you know, it's like, I'm thinking of a couple of, uh, I was thinking it was during the pandemic. My, uh, my family got me civilization. I'm sure maybe some of you've played that, you know, so I put it on the switch I tried to play it, but my problem is it's like, I just run into like, I don't want to put it down. And then before I know it, it's like four hours later, you know, it's like, I don't have that type of time to kill. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. The quick little bites are helpful with this. Okay. So that leads me to a question of what is the place you played these the most? I'm afraid to ask this question, <laughs> but I'm going to. And the weirdest place you found yourself playing an Arcadia game. And have you ever played any of them while running because you were so incredibly bored during the run? <laughs> uh, I've never done it running. I can say that. Um, I don't know where the strangest places I've played it, especially this year. I would say most of them are probably from right here. Um, you know, it's like you have back-to-back meetings. If one gets done like five minutes early, that doesn't allow me any time to do anything. So, you know, that's where, again, it's like, you know, having the defined five minutes i can play like a game for a minute um that's probably where i played most of them this year like last year we were camping more around this time so i think i did more just while we were you know like kids were trying to go to bed and you know we're laying or out by the fire and i would just do it then and and by here now just to close out the hemispheres because jason's always good about checking in about where people are um when they're in australia so for us australians you're an american so uh tell us where you are i know you're in a in a shack somewhere right now can you explain that so i I like to think there's a fishing hole right there as well that you yeah there is electricity i i haven't um i haven't finished running 
uh, internet out here. So it's all wireless, which I'm sure Jason will be sad to hear. I have the, I have the cable buried. It's sitting at the house and it's sitting in the shed, but I haven't done anything else. So that's on the long to-do list. And, and whereabouts, whereabouts in the U.S. are you? Uh, Minnesota. So central, lots of cold, lots of snow. Um, I'm sure people have seen, I think, I'm sure I posted last year about our ice rink that we flood in our backyard. So I know that's not common in most other places. It doesn't get that cold for that long. <laughs> so let's say you're head of the Department of Tourism for the state of Minnesota, and you're launching an international campaign for people to go to Minnesota, specifically in the U.S., what do you promote as the benefits or advantages or landmarks that you need to enjoy? Are you coming? Uh, is this for full-time living or you want to be here in the winter or summer? Well, that's actually up to you as the head of strategy for this department. It could just be short stays. Uh, it could be long-term. Maybe we're migrating, however you want to spin it. Well, if you like hockey, it's a good place to come because again, every lake freezes in the winter. So you can pretty much skate anywhere. Um, I have one child that skates, all of them can skate, but only one actually plays. Um, but if you like outdoors, uh, you can go up North to the boundary waters, which is pretty much just a big canoe area. Um, they don't really allow motor boats and stuff there. So it's pretty much just, you know, uh, canoeing and portaging your canoe from small lake to small lake. Uh, so yeah, it's, I would say if you like the outdoors, it's a decent place to come. I mean, I guess I've only lived in Iowa and uh, Chicago, so I guess Illinois. Two questions. I have two questions. Two I'm questions. Butting in here. Two questions to take Jason's thing. So first yes. of all, earlier you said that there was a lake superior. Is there a lake inferior? And you just said, second question, uh, you said the boundary waters. Is that like... Is it a boundary for a reason? Is there something scary on the other side, like people you don't talk to? Uh, I guess Canada's on the other side. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's the other way around, though. They don't want to talk to us. It's- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and is there a Lake Inferior? I don't think so. I mean, so like Lake Superior for, for us is like we have seven lakes. And off the top of my head, I probably won't know all of them. Maybe Jason can fill in the blank. I can name a handful of them. But Oh, the other six of the inferior ones. Exactly. Yes. Actually, Superior is the largest one we found out. So, yeah, there you go. Gotcha. Okay. All others are inferior. You need to watch out for, like, ulterior. Alt- you can never trust it. Yeah, it has, has some strange motives, that one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think for the magazine ad, it's going to be the picture of him when he's been running in the snow and his, all his face is just frozen. That's the yeah. picture in the magazine that will really get the tourists coming in, I think. Yeah, I don't know with your running, Eric, how you managed, first of all, how you managed to run as far as you run, because it seems like you're just a marathon man going. It um, does. And, and I am trying to re- reconcile the marathon man versus the little Arcadian nerd sitting there playing these 80s retro games. It just doesn't, I, I can't reconcile. So, so if you had to pick one, maybe, that you had to do for the rest of your life, are you going to carry on running or are you going to sit down and play Arcadia? I'd probably run. For the long run, that's probably better, I would guess. But probably better for the health. But what I think that maybe Raffaella next year could incorporate, we've been suggesting he's going to have to re- release at least one new game every year now to keep us interested and engaged. Maybe there's going to be like a running game. And it would be like, remember the old 
Commodore 64 games, like the sort of decathlon games in the Olympics, and you had to have the joystick and go... Or hurdles. Maybe hurdles can be something. That could be good, yeah. Timing with the leap. So, yeah, that, would you be interested in a game like that, Eric? Would that, would that tickle your fancy? Like, I love a basketball game on a computer because I love basketball. Uh, is that, is that going to work for you? Yeah, I think that would be interesting. I, I, I mean, I remember playing a game like that. I mean, it was probably Summer Olympics way back on the Apple 2GS. Um, and I would say, I think the only downfall is like, it's, you know, since you're just going back and forth with the joystick, like if I had my choice and I'll, I'll, I'll stick with games back in that era, um, I would say, you know, you're talking about basketball. One of my favorite games from way back when on that machine that we had was uh, one-on-one uh, Dr. J versus Larry Bird. Uh-huh. So yes, I, I would like out of the two games, I remember playing that one much more than I played uh, the other one. So how are you going to give him finance and basketball? Like, are you I kidding me with guy. this? Is this, this is, this was, this was a setup, right? Is this, yeah. I mean, I, I will say, I mean, I like basketball. My son is a huge basketball fan. So he chose not doing hockey and he's basketball. And I hate to say it. I, he, he's almost as tall as me. I think he's an inch away, which is very depressing because it's only a matter of time that he can really start beating me in basketball. Like I can still kind of muscle my way through it. Um, <laughs> he's, he's going to get me here soon. And and I just have I just have one follow up question. Okay, so the one on one game, were you were, were you did you prefer Doctor J because he had the big afro? You know, you remember the the sort of the eight bit afro graphics, or were you more the Larry Bird mullet sort of approach? I think I always stuck with Doctor J, unless I would play against friends, and then I think they always wanted Doctor J, so then I got stuck with Larry Bird. Jason and I are going like, tell me about it, guys. Come on, <laughs> please. Yeah, that. I, yeah. I think Merrick and I might be starting a new podcast. <laughs> I was really excited when you said Apple 2GS and then you went directly to basketball and then I, f- I, fell, I fell away again, I have to admit. Um, is there any other Arcadia-related questions, Andrew, that are not related to basketball or finance or anything in that realm? Talking about new games, is there a new game? Can you think of anything that you would like added to this suite of games you're already a dominant yeah you're a dominating force is there a game that you would just love to play that isn't already in existence i don't know if i have a good answer for that one i mean i think the yeah i mean i think the one nice thing about these arcadia games is a lot of them i would say most of them kind of feel similar to games that we probably played growing up and i think that's kind of the draw to it as well you know some of them are a little bit different but or, you know, they're just designed slightly different, but it, it has that feel of the games that, you know, we played long ago that there's not, there's not a lot of thought into them. You know, it's like, you know, just using your finger to go back and forth or whatever. Um, whereas nowadays, you know, there's, I don't know, in my opinion, sometimes I get confused. Like my son's tried to have me play Fortnite with him and it's just, there's too many buttons. There's too much stuff to do. And I think he stopped asking if I want to play now because he just knows that like, it's not going to go well. I would like to throw a plus one in for skee-ball. I would like there to be a skee-ball game. I don't know how that would really work, but let's make it happen. Oh, I wanted to ask, because uh, anyone could look at the Arcadia leaderboard and see what Eric's highest score was and maybe assume that was his favorite, but I don't want to assume that. So, Eric, do you actually have a favorite Arcadia game, one that you think is the best or most refined or feels most natural to you? Quickly for reference, those highest scores were Fast Run... Yar, which is a new one, and it looks like Bada Boom. 
think pro- probably fast fast run and that other racing game, the Indiana GP, were probably. I mean, it, so the fast run obviously goes to my theory of like there's a set time. I mean, it's not that long. It's a pretty short game. The Indiana GP obviously you can go for farther, but I never made it all that far. Um, well, you blew everyone else out of the water on Indiana GP because I'm looking at it right now. And uh, Bada Boom was another one where your high score was like eight times higher than the next <laughs> one. <laughs> Which I had to go back and check because I was like, surely I mistyped this and I added an extra six. No, that was not the case. You see, that's one that it's just like, I felt like it could go on forever. You know, it's just like, you know, it. Once you kind of get into the rhythm, you're just like, when is this going to end? You know, it's like, I, I don't know when it's going to end. You know, it's like they keep dropping hearts every now and then. I think that was the heart game. And it's like, now I'm back to three again. So. And then my favorite was replay because it's the lowest score always because it's, it's annoying. And the scores were first place, 16, second place, 15, third place, 14. <laughs> so it's just like, everybody's just getting one more, one more, one more. I think even you had like, 14 at one point and then 15 and then 16 and then it just capped out at 16 so it's one of those i think you like give it one or two shots and then you're just like that's enough of that one but i, I want to interject and say something about this competition because we've uh naturally been you know building up the champion who is eric here but if you look throughout the scores and the people who are in the discord participating it's not like some sort of stereotypical group of teenage nerds playing games all the time that they have in their lives, right? Eric, you're a family man. You're running. You're doing your job. You're fitting this into being a champion. Second place, I think we had Furstenberg, who's also, as far as I'm aware, a family man and, you know, still supporting and doing stuff and balancing everything with life. I think uh, Natasha was in the third place, and I know she's, like, tearing up Bricko on her watch while... You know, Max doing something in the other room. And then you look on and, you know, we have all these kind of family people in the discord and in our listenership. And I kind of wanted to highlight that because um, Eric, you're listening and doing this stuff along with other people I mentioned and all these other listeners, in addition to everything else that you do in your life. So I suppose I know I'm speaking on behalf of Jason and Andrew here, but I'm personally grateful in the sense that you make the time to contribute to this competition that you listen to us and your podcast player when it sounds like you have a lot of other stuff to do. Do you find it difficult to balance all of your tech interests or, or things in life or it's just, you know, you just roll with it? I'm probably no different than most people. There's always give and takes around. Um, I think, you know, what makes it easy with this game, you know, with the arcade games is for well, once, it's only once a month a year. So that, that helps. Um, I think I definitely played it more last year though than this year. I think I played it a lot less this year. Um, only, only because last year, I think, like I was saying, we were camping more. So there was just more time. And this year, since we were out of country for a little bit of the last two weeks, you know, I didn't really play it at all. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it, and again, it, since the, most of them are pretty quick games, there's a couple that could go on for a while. But, you know, since most of them are pretty quick, you can just try it, you know, for a minute or two and then, you know, shut your phone off and walk away. As my son would say, that was just Eric, just just flexing on the audience there. You know, I didn't play much, but yeah, I still racked up top scores. Come on. Although, I will exit with Bricko was mentioned. I don't know. What was that one? I what the hell happened there, Eric? Um, wow. Uh, uh, you were third. 
Okay. Uh, first place was approximately six times your score. And that was Natasha at like 64,000. And then the next one was like 15,000. And then you were down in third with 11,000. But what is Natasha doing with Bricko? Because that's like concerning that that score can even go that high. Oh, look, I don't want to steal away from Eric's glory here because, as you rightly put, he's still on the podium for that one. And I can never get a score anywhere remotely near that. But I will share, I hope Natasha doesn't men- uh, hope my mentioning this. At one point, she actually had to pause a game of Bricko. And because of, I think, the way that iOS treats memory stuff or cancelled the app, she lost one that was higher. Like, we're talking... Yeah, so... Um, She's very modest about it, I think, but she was like, shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you thought that score was insane, there have been loftier heights that, uh, oh yeah, my. she's really into that game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's going to clock it. It's going to go to 99,999, yeah. and then she'll end up with a score of two. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, you're right. Last year, she was almost 90,000. Oh. Mm. <sighs> oh. That's amazing. Yeah. If it's not over 100 next year- that's the challenge. She's got to get over 100,000 Bricko. Yeah, let, I reckon next year we really put pressure on listeners and we pit people like Eric and all the others against each other just to oh. really see how much they will, you know, it's like a death match in, in honor of our name. Andrew, one of those sports things that you know about, that thing with the people and they go down to the middle. Oh, okay. I thought they all did that. Don't they all do those little things where they go down to the middle? I don't even know what it's called. A bracket? Is it a bracket? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a bracket. Just do a bracket. (laughs) For everyone who can't see what's going on, Jason's basically doing like jazz hands and fingers that are converging on each other. Is that? I thought it was like a scrum or something. I'm sporting the shit out of this episode is what I'm doing. You know the thing where they start out and then they go down to the middle. Bracket. Come on. Learn your sports. So maybe we do a bracket and we do 1v1s until we get to the middle. That could be fun. That might save me from entering all these scores into a spreadsheet, potentially. Now we know, now we know why they have brackets, because nobody can be bothered keeping the stats. Nobody wants to do <laughs> stats anymore. They're like, what if we just did it visually? <laughs> we didn't keep track of any numbers except the top two. Yeah, I was just going to point out now, the, the cropping of your camera isn't doing it justice. Not, yeah. not your cabin, which is amazing, and I'm sure you built it yourself. It's incredible. But I'm talking about the cropping of your T-shirt. I think I saw you move at one point, and uh, yeah, that that is the legendary Northern Edition of the Hemispheric Reviews T-shirt. Yeah, see, see, it's Northern and Southern. The Southern just went away. Yeah, that is a limited edition T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We are we are a bit of a flaky hemisphere. We just do that sometimes. Sometimes we're there. Sometimes we're not. Ah, oh, look, quality control has been an issue with that that model. Um, yeah, we've taken it up with the production team. We fired them. All I can say is never do clothing. It just sucks. It's so ridiculously difficult. It's and annoying and expensive. I've got a merchandise idea, actually. Okay, so a mug, right? Hemispheric views, northern, southern. It has Mm. a spinner in the bottom, like a little propeller in the bottom of the mug. Mm -hmm. And a toggle switch so you can create a spin. Coriolis effect style, you can either spin it one way or it reverses and spins the other so you can pretend which hemisphere you're in and watch the water spin. 
northern or southern. And then you would be drinking it while it's spinning and shooting yes. out of the cup. Okay. Yes. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's, well, that mimics the general experience of listening to this show. It's a bit messy, yeah. but kind of fun. <laughs> Mostly pointless. <laughs> and requires batteries for no reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll get right on that. I, I know that we're coming up to the end of our time, Eric, and you yep. have other things to do in your life rather than yes. just talk to three idiots. Um, <laughs> uh, I know this is a gaming segment, uh, but I do want to ask you, because I think it would be remiss of us not to touch on this briefly as a tech-adjacent podcast. Can you give us a quick rundown on your kind of tech life and maybe what you enjoy about podcasts in general? Like kind of what brought you to this sphere and uh, what you enjoy kind of to, to round us out? I think podcasting in general, what kind of brought me to it, you know, it kind of started to coincide with when I started to actually run again. So this would have been maybe five, six years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I think there was some local person that had a podcast that I just started listening to. And, you know, maybe some of the other ones, I don't even remember what they were at the time. Um, but I think it just kind of morphed from there. You know, you just kind of find things that are interesting based on word of mouth and, you know, you kind of stumble across things that, you know, for me, since most of the time, you know, not to continue talking about running, but most of the time I listen to them while I'm running. Um, since I don't really commute into work that much anymore, I probably would otherwise do it then. Um, so just that's where it's sometimes nice that it's just like easy listening um, as far as just a conversational talk kind of keeps my mind just not, you know, thinking about the pain that I'm probably enduring on my knees and legs. And, you know, I think probably the strangest of that is then every now and then, you know, you might just be laughing when you're running for no reason at all because somebody told a joke and nobody else heard it, obviously. The final bit on running is that I'm going to put something in the show notes that he's probably going to hate me for, but he is the guy that did, and correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, but it was a 5K every day for an entire year. And there's like a, there's a, there's a blog post slash podcast about it that he was on for like a running thing and i still just like i hear that and it and i i sort of like almost feel like i'm gonna throw up a little bit because that just sounds so intense but yeah i'm gonna put that in the notes unless he doesn't want me to share that but uh that is just like i still can't get over that fact that's like one of those just life facts where you're like how the how Mm -hmm. so and then the irony that the word walk is part of his name no, no, no. You, you're just saying, look, people can walk and that's healthy, but you're stepping it up. Like you're actually going above and beyond the expectations of your own family heritage, which is great. Well, thank you so much, Eric Run, for joining us today, talking about Arcadia, winning Arcadia again, and just using any bit of your actual day-to-day minutes on anything we do. Super appreciative of that. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good chat. Now, where were we on that finance talk? I have a question for you guys. Do you ever in the past as a child, did you go like camping or whatever and tell like ghost stories? Is that a thing? Yes. You'd like sit around like a campfire sort of thing and and tell like scary stories to try to freak people out. With a torch shined up on your face. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I feel I I saw that in American movies more than I ever saw it here, but yes. I, I thought so. I figured that was more of a here thing, but... If you'll humor me, can can I tell you a, a ghost story quickly, just to just to top this thing off real quick? Is that is that amenable to you both? 
We'll just imagine the torch under your chin and listeners can do the same. Yeah, the only torch I have is my phone and that's currently acting as my my only lifeline to the world through you both. So I'm going to leave that just sitting over there for now. <laughs> uh, thank you, 5G and iPhone 13 Pro. So imagine this. It's, it's a balmy, dark morning, okay? It's a little bit spooky, a little bit chilly, a little bit chill going through the air. You're in your home enjoying one to two millisecond ping times, 980 plus megabits per second, up and down, symmetric, because it's the only way to be. Life is good. Suddenly you hear a rumble in the distance. Giant truck in seemingly slow motion going down your street. You think, "Hmm, it's just a truck, no big deal. Suddenly, carnage! (laughs) Your fiber optic line is cut from the air in two. You used to have one cable. Now there are two dangling lifeless into the road. Your home network that rivals that of the top Fortune 500 companies is rendered useless and seen. That's it. That was the story. That was my life. And that's why I'm talking to you all via Zoom on a phone while recording separately on a computer that is all but useless, connected to nowhere but locally. And that's the state of things here at my home. Was that scary? All right, what do we got? What's coming up? What's what's coming up? I see page, I see P- Patreon stuff. Exactly, and this is good news. This this is like a contribution towards the Jason's inter- internet repair bill. <laughs> We've got, and a lot of J's I'm seeing in the notes. A lot of J's recently. A lot of J's. Yeah. It's because it's all going to my 5G bill. <laughs> Shame it's not a 5J. I might go a bit of wrestling style. Introducing our first new Patreon subscriber. Weighing in at 182 pounds. Wow, and he's calling out weights. Okay. Five foot 11. The phenomenal Jeff P. All right, we'll see how long he sticks around. And up against Jeff P, a man no stranger to the J's. And in fact, he's taken Jeff with a JP. He's leveled up. He says one J is not enough. I'm going with two J's. It is John J. Yeah. Crowd favorite. Hometown favorite with all the J's. John J. So we've got a, a John J. He's coming in at 200 pounds and a clear six foot two in the old scale. So with his extra J's, he's gained a little extra weight, a little extra height. The fans love him. I think in this wrestling batch, we're going to have John Jay, the victor over Jeff P. But we love you both because you're both contributing to Patreon very much. Thank you very much. OnePrimePlus.com. For any complaints due to uh, weight call-outs there, make sure to send all complaints to Australia's number one wrestling podcast, the NBL Pocket Podcast. Can somebody tell me how much a pound actually is? They're just random numbers to me. That's true. He did just use pounds and he has no idea what pounds are. Well, if I offended anybody, just know that we we really do love you and uh, we love your Patreon donation because it helps get Jason's internet back up off the ground. I love, my favorite thing about the Patreon situation right now is that for some unknown reason, 
I get zero notifications about anything to do with Patreon. And I don't know why. I can't figure it out. I get none of the email from the show. It's the weirdest thing. Everything should work and it doesn't. So I always find out through either Andrew or Martin that we got a new patron and I get really excited about that. So thank you both Jeff P and John J. Uh, much appreciated. And if you haven't already send us addresses where you'd like stickers and such to be sent, if that's your thing, you don't have to, but if you want to just uh, shoot us an email and they, they will let me know that we got the email because I don't get the email. Who knows? I swear I didn't set it up like that on purpose to where I get no email. <laughs> that was not a ploy on my part. I, it just, it something is broken. I don't know what. Yes. It just occurred to me, could this John Jay be the actual John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt? Oh, it's very possible. Who's it is that? very possible. I, I would say his name a, is my name too. It is. Yeah. Which is, yeah. That's a fair point. That goes right over my head. So are you saying you subscribe to our show also? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, look, whenever we go out, the people always shout. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. da na 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 Thank you. Yeah, there it is. Can we go back to the wrestling? Something that makes sense? If you would like your name turned into a wrestling theme, I would recommend going to oneprimeplus.com and subscribing to oneprimeplus.com. Oh, also quickly, anyone that's a new patron, make sure you go get all the back catalog stuff. There's newsletters, there's past episodes that are only in Patreon, which gives you a little special uh, RSS feed to subscribe to in your podcast player of choice so that you can get all the past episodes that are only in there. And also join the Discord and you get kind of a special thingy for that as well. You get your green in there and there's a special room and we do things like uh, the Severance uh, rewatch, if that's your thing. We've done movie rewatches with uh, kind of the whole group as a commentary situation. It's, it's a lot of fun. So jump into the Discord. That's kind of the best place to find out what's going on. But we also send out emails and newsletters and stuff as well. So, yeah, get in there. And look, for just a dollar a day, you can help an American reclaim their internet and we'll send you a free panda in the mail. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. In 13 days, I should be back online. It'll be great. Well, you have a backbone, Jason, apparently, which is strange for a human. Yeah, it is. I have a back. I have two backbones. I have mine, which is in my body. And then I also have the controller. So if you look mm. back, I think two episodes ago, when you told your story about playing uh, Halo in the tire shop, right? Yeah. You had the, yep. the Nimbus 1 plus is that nimbus one mm, or nimbus yep, yep nimbus plus that's it yeah so i thought when you were pulling that out i thought that was going to be the backbone one which is what i was hoping to get and so therefore you could not only make andrew upset with the xbox one x but or xbox series x but also the backbone so anyway i got the backbone one which is a little fancy controllery thingy that you put your phone in and just got a report back that quality of it is fantastic. So if you're into playing Apple Arcade games that are more like Oceanhorn, where you want to have like a real controller and not just use the on-screen stuff, Backbone 1 is solid. It's a really nice piece of construction. The phone fits in great. It has a pass-through so you can plug in through the controller to charge your phone if you want that. It has a headphone jack where you can plug in headphones in the bottom. All the buttons are clicky and really nice, 
it's one thing about controllers is like they sometimes have those kind of mushy, gross buttons, really good buttons. And overall, the thing doesn't require any, well, it powers off your phone, doesn't use any amount of power that I notice. And you can just chuck it in your bag and it's just ready to go. So I would just wanted to say it's a solid piece of thing. I've used it for a while now. I like it. And if you're looking for a controller for your phone, they have one for Android phones, so USB-C, and then they also have one for the iPhone, which is Lightning, and it is fantastic. Is Oceanhorn your favorite game to play with that at the moment? Is that why you brought that up? Or Yes. Yeah, I think so. I, I really like that game, but I prefer playing it with a proper controller. I, I had previously played it on the Apple TV with a PS5 controller connected to the Apple TV, and I just didn't like playing with on-screen controls for that game for some reason. And so having the actual proper controller now, it's like a little mini Nintendo Switch, basically, where you have the controllers on the slide on the side and your phone in the middle. It's a really nice setup, the way that they've designed and built the thing. So if you're looking for that kind of thing, I would say go with that one over some of the other ones that exist that are a little bit on the more cheap side or just not as solid in terms of holding it. One more question from me. Is this something that you've been playing mostly at home or have you actually taken it out somewhere in a portable way? Uh, mostly at home, although I did take it with me. Where did I go? I went the somewhere. The I went. Mm. No, it, close though. It was a car related task that I did go to and I did bring it with me for that. Um, so yes, not quite the tire shop, but basically the same thing. So <laughs> I was channeling Martin the whole way. That makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. There's an app that goes with it, which normally you'd be like, I don't need an app for this. This is stupid. But it, it's like a nice dashboard to bring you to all the games that are compatible with controllers, as well as if you want to go off to do Xbox Cloud or if you want to do PlayStation Remote Play. It's all kind of in this this one app. And it's really seamless how you pop in and out between that and the actual games. So I actually think the app is quite good for what it is. And they have like a whole, you know, professional or not professional, but, uh, you know, pro level thing you can buy or whatever, but they give it to you for a year when you buy the thing anyway. So it's, it's, I mean, it's a win-win, I would say. You know, it isn't a win-win podcasting 2.0. It sounds like a good idea. So let me give you a bit of back. I came across an article. I think it was me that came across the article. Yeah, and I set you guys. I believe home- it was. I set you guys homework to read said article. Um, it piqued my interest because it was about how do you or what, the openness of podcasting is potentially at threat because each of these big conglomerate or organizations, you've got Apple now starting to do its little follow on Apple or whatever their Apple podcast thing in me, Bob, is. You've got the Spotify paywall starting to come into effect. All these different companies now realizing that there's money in them that are hills and that podcasting shouldn't be built on RSS, which is what we love because it's open and anybody can access it. Um, and Adam Curry, who's sort of the, the podfather, the, 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 the guy who started it all, realized that the, he saw this as a problem, the threat to the independence of podcasting. So he created, he wanted to create a new index, which he has done. So basically, instead of relying on the typical um, Apple gigantic index of all the podcasts that exist in the world, this would be a, a secondary one, a backup, maybe be a primary one in the future where people could go and it would always be free and it would always be openly accessible 
to list your own podcast, find other podcasts and so on. Subscribe from there. Giant free directory. All sounds good. But then they decide to add on, well, how can we still allow podcasts to be paid? Um, As people know, we have our Patreon-backed option here. There's, There's other ways that you can do that besides the Apple and Spotify payment methods, different tiers, buy me a coffee's, Ko-Fi's, coffees, you know, all the sort of options. But they wanted to build it into the the one platform, if you like. So they turned this podcasting 2.0 and they said you can use our podcast index and optionally you can you can elect to also do do this payment method where listeners can pay pay you as a creator directly. All sounds awesome, right? You guys, I'm sure it sounds fantastic. Open, we love it. Love it. Love it. Sounds great. How do you do... Yeah. Do you know what? how you get paid? Freaking Bitcoin. And at that point, my heart sunk. And I continued to read the article and you had to do... You had Bitcoins and you had Satoshis, which are fractions of Bitcoins. And then you've got some other wallet and you've got an app. And it's all very simple. You just simply transfer your element of Bitcoin over to the other person using this app that's integrated with this podcast player that might be integrated with the podcast platform that the provider is using. It may or may not work, but it's simple. And at that point, I'm like, I'm out. Sorry. You lost me at Bitcoin, and then you really lost me at the really simple solution. Like, that's not RSS. RSS is the really simple solution, right? Bitcoin payments and transfers and apps and wallets and all that – no, I'm sorry, I'm out. This is a failed idea. Coincidentally, RSS actually works for a really simple solution as well. Yeah, that was good how I did that, wasn't it? Did you like that? <laughs> Masterful. Masterful. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how we want to go about this, but I did read, I actually read this for homework. Uh, I did no less than 15 highlights on my article. Wow. So I think you'll be proud and of that. And can I just butt in with the highlights? Did you make sure that according to Andrew's preferred economic textbook uh, procedure that you only highlighted entire sentences, not fragments of sentences? Oh, boy. Um, I will say yes to not offend him. <laughs> I was using matter and I did not put it into logsec or obsidian or any of those other things because you know what? It doesn't matter. So I will How the hell go on are you now. Managing your own knowledge. Sorry, go on, Jason. I have no. I know it's like, where's my graph? I don't know. Who knows? I'm an idiot. <laughs> and it's anyway, seek. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, sure thing. Have you heard the good word? Um, so I was thinking maybe I would go through some of my highlights, and that would trigger you all for some some response. Does that sound like a fair way to go? Love being triggered. Go for it. Okay, perfect. So. I'm reading through this. It's a very short article, too, and obviously it'll be in the show notes. And I don't know if this is the, you know, end-all, be-all article on this. This just happens to be one that we all sort of browsed, right? So I'm sure there will be more to this and things that will be said that will be loosely correct and or incorrect, depending on how things go forward. But here's sort of where I landed. Um, The very first sentence was a little bit interesting to me where it just said, podcasting is back. You might be wondering, did it ever leave? Yes, it did. And it's kind of like, okay. I mean, that, that sounds like pretty absolute, but I would, I would already disagree with that statement entirely, but moving on. Um, I I see value. 
yeah, I see value for value, which is like, all right, you want to have like a like a kind of trendy name for how we're exchanging monetary value for creativity and the value within that creativity. I think that's a good thing in, in trying to establish a method for trading a monetary value for a creative value. I think that that I'm okay with that so far. Um, as soon as I saw Satoshi streaming, I immediately thought like vomit emoji. So that was one thing where I was already like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's cool. Um, Satoshi, great. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, the, the next thing that came up were, was the fact that it said good times didn't last though. Over time, other companies got involved and certain shows became siloed to specific platforms and apps. That's a true statement that absolutely did happen, but it was a such a small number that at this point it feels like it's a little bit absolutist. Like, oh, everything's going, you know, you know, like this show. It's not like Apple's knocking down our door to put this show as a exclusive thing, right? So there's still plenty. It, it's a perspective issue, I think, where if you're looking at very very popular shows that were arguably already on major networks anyway. Yeah, of course, those are going to these exclusive avenues. So I don't know if that's really anything to be super concerned about. Um, the next thing that came up that I maybe I'm reading into this. I would like to know your both opinions on this. So it says podcast index is an open directory with a promise to remain open as it's crowdfunded. So it's this free and open platform as long as people are pumping money into this voluntarily. I'm unclear where this crowdfunding comes from. Does this come from the shows that are on the index? Is this just people donating like they would to an archive.org situation? I'm not sure. So I, it just seems like it's open and free, except there is someone putting money into this. So I'm not sure where that lands. Did, did that trigger anything for either of you? I can say we are on the index and we are paying zero. So it's not a pay to be on there or anything. I think from my understanding, okay. it's just a donation kind of situation. You know, Wikipedia style people contribute some money here and there if they want to. There might be some sort of foundation that ultimately gets set up to help fund it. Who knows? But I think at the moment it's just voluntary payments. Yeah, and at this time, at, at this time, I kind of look at this and think the index is one of the most redeeming features of the whole thing because, as anyone who's slightly interested in podcasts, probably mainly within this tech or tech uh, or tech adjacent genre that we are, Apple was the de facto standard for years through their general, I suppose, negligent benevolence uh, in how they treated the podcast directory before you know more. Um, exclusive subscription possibilities came in. So if there is something like this, which maybe does need some donation on the side, you know, if this can exist as a way of collecting what is spread across the web, I think that's pretty good and probably a lesser potential evil than what um, we have with companies like Apple or otherwise. I'm interested though, in, to, to that point, at two different points in this article, the the proposition is put that Everyone else should drop all directories and everyone should only use this directory, which then leads me a little bit to like, okay, so then when you become the only directory in town, yeah. 
why are you necessarily different, right? You gave the example of Apple where they maybe haven't done enough or they've done too much, arguably, depending on your your point of view, but at least the directory existed, whereas literally no one else was doing anything in that area. So at least there was a directory. Had that directory not existed, I would argue, where else would you have gone to get such a directory? Because at least there was something. So I'm not saying they're the best steward for such a thing. But at the same time, I'm kind of like a little bit side eye of like, well, why are you now necessarily the end all be all perfect solution for everyone? Especially in this world where everything's supposed to be decentralized, right? Like everybody freaks, everybody keeps going on about all this decentralized BS. And then it's like, no, there should be one directory and that should be the only one forever and ever. It's like, mm, I don't know. That sounds a little weird to me. Yeah. Podcast Index should aim to be the best or the one stop shop because it cares the most about podcasting. But yeah, purely exclusive or you can't get anywhere else that's against it. And that's why, I mean, there are other things like, I don't know how much you two know about Listen Notes, but there's that site, Listen Notes, which is essentially like a podcast search engine. And you can go on and you can claim your show if you want to manage certain things about it. But otherwise, it's kind of like a, a I think it's ad-free Google equivalent for podcasts. And that's a nice competitor for finding things and different things should exist. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess the next, and I, I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to just say like, this is a terrible idea and it should belong to Apple or Google. Like, I, I don't believe that either, but it just feels like a lot of the arguments are very, very, very weak and sort of not thought through. Like the, the next thing that I immediately jumped out at me was something like Patreon and other services have an open RSS subscription option, which we are a part of, which is great, I think that adds a layer of complexity. And then like the very next thing is like, or you could go get something like Strike or Cash App and load money into your Lightning wallet on an app like Fountain. And then, and it's just like, you told me Patreon was hard to do. And then you told me go sign up for like eight other services that are like very questionable and not well-established at all to make this thing work. And it's just like, I get where you're going and I don't want to just like shoot you down, but it's as soon as you go into a hundred Satoshis, there's a hundred million Satoshis when divided into a stream of one Satoshi per minute of your face. It's like you've lost every single person when the general audience of podcasting is not people that know anything about Bitcoin. Do you know what I think the whole issue is here? Um, I, I take particular issue whenever I see in articles when they say podcasting hasn't changed or it hasn't changed enough. Now, I consider myself a progressive person who thinks that change is good. So when I say this, I don't mean it to come across as conservative, but I would argue what is the benefit of change for something like RSS and podcasting? If you're updating the spec and you're putting different tags in, as I think there was a was it 2.0 back in 2009? It was the, anyway, if you're extending ways to share data and make it more accessible and point to chapters and transcripts and all that stuff, fantastic. But if it's change in the sense of we want more market opportunities to make money, which is really what this is about, I don't really buy that as a huge benefit because whenever people write this stuff, they're talking about how the technology hasn't changed sufficiently for them to make money, not in actually improving the medium or its accessibility or its content. Because you can look beyond tech podcasts at 
you know, kind of like radio turned podcast documentaries. You can look at the huge majority of very popular true crime shows. You can look at, you know, voices uh, from people of color who are doing different things about their own stories. Like it is tremendously innovative. Podcasting has changed significantly as it's become more popular because more people have found an accessible way to share their voice and their own story. So I would argue podcasting has changed significantly. It's just in who we're hearing and what we're hearing rather than technology to make money, which suits business people. Right. And like when a change I would love to see is just the ability to actually have a searchable index of show notes amongst all these podcasts. Can you imagine a search engine where all you're searching is show notes from a podcast or uh, sorry, from all podcasts, because this information is, is super valuable, but deeply hidden. Even though we have great show notes, they're not easy to find. You can't find them easily through searching unless you do like crazy, you know, search algorithms to find certain sites and all that stuff. But those are the kinds of things that feel like they would be more important to podcasting versus this kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I, I'm going to skip the rest of my highlights. I'm going to land just on one positive one that I had at the end. Uh, so I'm going to read the sentence and I'll talk about it a little bit. But one of my favorite aspects is how podcasts can configure an automatic split amongst hosts, guests, and others without needing a third-party service. Payments can be made directly to each host slash guest lightning wallet. So throw lightning wallet out. I don't give a shit about that. Whatever. But I do enjoy the fact that there is some thought around having guests on a show or just having in our situation. Let's just talk about our situation, right? There's the three of us. We're three independent people. We do have a Patreon. The system for which that money, it all goes into a collective bucket. But think of a world where someone says, I want to give you a dollar a month. And that dollar is evenly split 33 cents a piece based on your wherever you're at automatically goes into a location without having to do anything about it. That does sound really good. And that makes it potentially easier for people to start to turn what they love into maybe some kind of side income. And I do think that there is some room for that or the ability to take denominations. And this is back to Bitcoin again, but you know, standard dollar values don't really allow for this, but to say, I want to give you X amount per show or per minute or, or some other way of being able to just say, I'm not going to give you $20 a month, but depending on how much you output, I'd love to give you X amount per minute of content that I get from you with a bonus for, you know, each newsletter you send out, here's another, you know, 25 cents or whatever. But I, I think the idea of being able to split up the money in some way would be helpful in this kind of situation. And that's not for everybody, but I, I think that is at least that part of it to me felt like, okay, maybe that is something we can build in to the system to be a little more efficient about how this whole thing goes. Yeah. If it makes it easier or empowers independent creation, I think that's great. I, I just come back to that point of everyone wants to quantify and commodify every art form. And I think innovation comes from making it, as you said, with listen, uh, finding show notes, um, ways to make stuff more discoverable and fun and help people get their voice onto the internet. I think that's where positive change is, not in, as you said, lightning wallet. 
Yeah. Well, also, I mean, let's be real here. Okay. Spotify says, Hey, I'm going to give you $10 million for your show. And you go, no, I think I'm going to wait and see how many Satoshis I can get. Like, it's <laughs> not going to happen. You know, it's like, it's just kind of a inherent BS argument where the, you know, if you look at some of these huge shows, they're not going to say, well, I'd rather be on the open podcast network where I could potentially get Satoshis. They're not going to do that. They're going to take the 10 million today and say, sweet, I got $10 million. So it's a great idea in spirit, but I, I think it's a, it's trying to fix, I don't want to say the wrong problem, but just not the, maybe the issues that are really at the forefront of what podcasting is. And it, it's kind of, it kind of sucks that we're even talking about this in general, just because it makes it feel like, oh boy, now podcasting is going to go down the route of like, you know, Twitters and, and all those other kinds of things where now it's just become all about how do we just squeeze out every conceivable penny out of this and then leave it for dead in a gutter. Andrew, did you have anything to add to your topic that you said as homework? Uh, I know. I appreciate you both for reading it. Um, the, what this does, I think, raise is a topic for another day, perhaps, and that's at what point is something that you're doing a hobby and, like you said, Martin, artwork, art, and something you do for your own personal enjoyment? And at what point does it become a business or a side hustle or something you're trying to earn income from? And I, the big picture in all of that is I worry that everybody is trying to commercialize their hobbies now. And very little seems to ever be done for the pure enjoyment of it. And I think as soon as you um, put commerce into a hobby or something you do for fun, it creates conflict and problems. And that seems to be a direction that society is going in. Everything is being commercialized. Everything is a chance to make money rather than a chance to do something for fun and enjoyment. But that's probably a topic for another day. I'll leave that with you for thinking. Do you, do you think podcasting is kind of having like a YouTube moment now? Is that sort of what's going on where there's a select very, very, very small few that are striking these huge deals and it's sort of making it feel like it's possible for anyone because it's not TV, right? Like YouTube wasn't TV. You didn't have to be on TV to get content out. And yet people were doing really, really well on YouTube. Again, microscopic amount of folks, but those are the ones you see is podcasting sort of following that trajectory where anyone can make a pot. We keep, everyone keeps saying, we keep telling everybody, anybody can do this. And yet again, there's this tiny, tiny, tiny micro fraction amount of folks that are getting these crazy contracts from Spotify, Amazon, whatever. And is that kind of where this is coming from where it's, it's, sort of a YouTube issue again? Yeah, I think so a little bit. And I think what's happened is there was always the promise of the long tail and that people, everybody had a chance and there'd be, you know, let a million flowers bloom. And instead what's happened is it's moved into a superstar economy where hmm. sure there's a long tail, but nobody gives a damn about any of them. It's all about just the people that have 20 million viewers, 100 million viewers. And it's just those superstars that are sucking in all the wealth and all the capturing all the money that's out there and all the awareness and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to very negative views of where podcasting is going. And I think that has a lot to do with how the, the medium or audio specifically works. Uh, text, like throwing something on a microblogging platform like Twitter, 
people scroll endlessly. They read stuff there. It's their quick hit. They want to go where all those voices are. So that's why something like Twitter exists. Video, uh, if we're talking about the early days of YouTube, something like YouTube took off because bandwidth for video, storing video was such a complex thing to overcome. You really needed a kind of singular hub or set of exclusive hubs to host this stuff because it was so difficult to actually get your voice out there with video. It was just so much in terms of data. Audio though, whether it's the benevolent negligence of something like Apple or whatever, you know, you could throw an MP3, uh, an MP3 up, which is what, 20 megabytes or something. That's not a data issue. It's easy to get it on the web and share with people. So all these services, despite the fact that they may be commercialized or commodified, um, you could have all these different things proliferate. So I think we've gotten to the point now where there are so many different services, so many different ways of hosting your own audio or getting someone to do it for you that, yeah, you're going to have this superstar economy, as you say, of YouTube style podcast people, but the vast majority of people are just going to use services that suit them. So I don't see the imminent collapse of podcasting. You're just going to have different types of podcasts, which may not technically be podcasts in the pure sense because they're not on RSS. They're behind an exclusive audio platform and that's okay for people who want it. But I don't think it's going to destroy everything. That's a really good distinction around video, YouTube versus podcasting where YouTube truly was an infrastructure problem and podcasting and blogging and microblogging is re- in so- it's not everywhere. I, I fully understand that. But in general, it is not an infrastructure problem in terms of what's needed to create it. Whereas on a YouTube, you want a really nice camera. You need really good bandwidth to be able to upload these huge videos. And serving that video is, is massively expensive or was before something like YouTube, where to your point, you could record audio pretty well with minimal equipment and the audio files can be very small and it's very forgiving from a compression standpoint. And even if you had to serve out the audio yourself, that would be a minimal cost. So I think that is a very good distinction that the infrastructure problem is not there. So that's why a lot of these things around monetization and different things with Bitcoin and so forth come up because that's table stakes now. The, the infrastructure is not an issue. No one has that problem. So how do we go above that to try to create that added value or value add or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. And that benefit of diversity, business people generally, I want to, uh, I'm generalizing here, but they see that benefit as a problem because they want the singular YouTube option. Right, right, right. Totally. No that one's worried sense. about that except the people who want that money. Yep. Totally. Absolutely. Wow. All right. There you go. That's our very, very, very vague and initial thoughts on Podcast 2.0. I'm looking at a craft note that's not connected to the internet, so I'm not sure what you're doing.